Hi, this is Marcus from the V2V podcast, and today we're talking with survivor Michael Atterbury. We've done the interview, and I received a text message from him after the fact, and I wanted to read something to you, the message that he sent to me, because I think it's a great introduction to kind of what we're getting into here. So he writes, I thought you should see this, and if I forgot to mention I kept all of this a semi-repressed memory situation till a couple of years ago. I actually did a long distance hike through the area Monarch was located, and coincidentally a friend convinced me to take a bit more LSD than I knew was good for us. A wave of memories and feelings came back, and just feeling hurt by the whole experience, I literally sobbed by myself for an hour in the field, allowing myself to reflect on memories and emotions I had forgotten. That has been what has been motivating me to help raise awareness and help build more resources for parents with quote unquote troubled teens. We'll be right back. This call is now being recorded. Welcome to the V2V podcast Survivor Series. Uh, today I'm talking with Michael Atterbury, who is a survivor of a couple of different wilderness camps, and we're going to hear about uh, his experience uh, involved being involved in, in those facilities, and uh, yeah, we're going to just take it from there. So uh, welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, Marcus. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. <clears throat> All right. So generally what we do is uh, because a lot of people don't know what the troubled teen industry is or abbreviated TTI sometimes, wilderness camps, therapeutic boarding schools, they they don't even know that they exist because it's pretty private. Uh, they don't, they're not doing a lot of um, blatant advertising. advertising yeah. public. Uh, so what, from your perspective, what is the troubled teen industry? Let's start there. Uh, so in my experiences, um, I've been to several, several places and received treatment from many different kinds of organizations. Um, and I would say the troubled teen industry is kind of this gray area in the, the mental health slash like medical industry, um, kind of staffed and oftentimes in places that have minimal regulations and laws regarding their existence uh, with little to no oversight often staffed by people without proper medical credentials or even medical training. Um, most, I think there's like a kind of a, a lot of the staff that I saw were teaching from personal experience. Um, a lot of, you know, this is what I went through um, and this is how it is kind of people. Um, and that yeah, sometimes former was, students too or former, um, yeah, former students or former clients say, they come back to become staff. I know that's scary. Um, you know, and there's I, a reason for that. Yeah, and I granted uh, some of the facilities that I went to did have licensed uh, therapists, which you know I, I definitely appreciated talking to those people because um, they were often much more gentle. I would suppose. Um, right. But yeah, I think the the troubled teen industry kind of revolves around. Uh, 
I don't even know. I don't even know if I feel comfortable using the term like scaring teens straight through physical coercion, uh, harsh verbal confrontation, and hard physical labor. <laughs> and yeah. often, so ultimately, do you think it's really all about the money? Uh, ultimately, I mean, I, mean, I, I can't speak <laughs> for just questioning. Yeah. I can't speak for all organizations. Um, however, the I went through a CDU affiliated program, and I firmly believe that CDU is planted in that money, and part of that money is around the cult like atmosphere. Um, I know that. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, like not all places are designed this way. Um, I've been to some very excellent facilities later on in my life that treated me with the utmost respect compared to some of my experiences in my Now, these other, facil- these other facilities, uh, at, well, I guess, like, how old are you now? Um, I'm 30. Um, so okay, I, I think 30 I'm now. So these other facilities, were you an adult? Were you an adult yeah. when you went to these other places? You were an adult. Uh, so, that's the difference. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, I, a lot of times, that's the difference because... If I could jump in for a minute, I mean, I yeah, know, yeah, of course. I know that um, that minors have basically no uh, no rights as far yeah. as uh, what they can do, especially if, if their care and custody has been assigned over to an organization. They can't they can't make certain decisions on their own. They're not allowed to. So th- there are things that happen in adult rehabs, treatment centers, places like that that would never, ever, ever be tolerated. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, for like, sure, man. So, so I want to make that distinction because, believe me, we're looking for any, you know, we're looking for good, good ones. And yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's important. We haven't, as, we haven't found any good ones. Like well, so okay, that would be I'll amazing try. if we found a good yeah, yeah. therapeutic boarding school for troubled teens or people. You know, no, I, I don't think there's, that, a, I don't there's think one that school. Exists. There's one school in Georgia. Uh, it's a it's a pretty heavily Christian based organization, and in their own advertising, they on their website they tell potential uh, parents want to send their kids there that if their kid is bored, that's good enough reason. To their kid is bored? If they're bored. Oh, so the criteria is pretty loose I know, in a lot of yeah. cases. So what was going on with you as a young young man that led you or and your parents to decide that uh, this was something that you should go do? Um, okay. I mean, were you troubled? <laughs> I, I, I was definitely a troubled youth. Um, I unfortunately grew up with a, a good bit of ADD um, that made my attendance of some of the nicer schools I attended as a kid uh, a little bit burdensome for the teachers and my mom. Um, so as a result, I was sent to kind of like an alternative education school. Um, I was very intelligent as a kid, just crazy hyper. Um, I still can't sit down for more than 30 minutes somewhere. It's just kind of, right. um, so I went to the school that was very small. Um, I received a very, very, very good education. Uh, but most of my education was math, science, 
Um, for example, I had 45 minutes of art a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so I grew up in kind of a very structured environment. Um, and around fourth grade, um, they thought I was so smart that I could skip fourth grade. Um, and they skipped me a whole grade ahead with a whole bunch of new kids that were older than me and who had all been friends for the last five years. Um, and I, I it's think familiar, they, by the way. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, very, very familiar. Uh, intellectually, I was more mean? than capable, <laughs> right. uh, but emotionally, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't ready to be like ripped out of my friend group and and tossed into a whole new pack of wolves per se. Um, and yeah, I, I, the same thing happened to me in third grade. I got sent to the second grade. <laughs> not only, not only a different. But across the campus, because you know the way the elementary schools are structured, it's it's the little kids on one side and the big kids on the other side. So I went from being kind of the top of the heap third grader, (laughs) amongst the first and second graders, to suddenly being in a classroom full of kids that were, you know, literally three or four years older than I was as a nine. So I'm I'm in this class with twelve and thirteen year old kids who definitely didn't want me there. So yeah. I demanded to be sent back uh, because that that was not going to work out. So uh, that kind of that kind of says something about the structure of of these programs, where they lump a bunch of different age kids together and have them kind of blow the flies it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, um, I definitely experienced that at Wilderness and. Uh, yeah, I, I had very quickly decided that I did not want to be at the bottom of the pack. Um, but anyway, so there's certain things you have to do, right? But, oh, but for sure, for sure. Anyways, uh, so, I, so I, okay. I started acting out. Um, I became like the class clown. Um, I got kicked out of class almost daily, um, sometimes oh, wow. multiple times a day. Um, right. But they, I always got like straight A's in math. Like I all, I love math. Um, so they could never be like you're dumb, you know? It was just like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Uh, right, um, right. And so there, so, weren't, there weren't many options, I guess, really, like as far as, like, or there there are options, but they weren't presented to, to me. your family, um, I guess. I just, I think that, uh, I grew up in a, a pretty well-to-do area outside of Philadelphia. Um, okay. Kind of the main line, if you will. Uh, there's, if you, like, research the area, you know, there's, some of the top schools and universities in the country that are located within, you know, a 20 mile radius sure. of Philadelphia. It's very, very prestigious. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of competition. Um, you know, that whole like nineties buying a mansion, clouding your wealth kind of thing was in full swing. Um, right. so, so were I, you supposed I, to become an economist at Wharton or something? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I just <laughs> right. I feel like that's like a, that's what, um, my mother had the intention that that's what I was going to be, you know. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay. So and, what's going to plan? And it, it like definitely wasn't going to plan. Right. Just crazy, you know, just a crazy kid. Like, uh, but again, like, you know, I got straight A's in math and English. So, like, they, the school couldn't be, like, this kid's, like, stupid. It's just, like, this kid's behaviorally, like, unstable. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't think IEPs were a big thing at that point. Um, no, I mean, it's independent, still... independent education plans, like, that are fairly common these days, uh, where they'll take a kid like that and 
basically give him the opportunity to do a lot of self-study and get him out of the get him out of the social environment in the classroom that's causing causing those uh, crazy issues. Yeah, because um, um, it sounds like that's kind of what maybe the right course of action was, but we can – that's easy to do. In no, I, to, like, yeah, yeah. And, I, I can't, like, thank my parents enough for giving me the education that I had. Like, I definitely was fortunate enough to attend private school as a kid, and I got more knowledge stuffed into my brain by the time I was, you know, 12 than most people will have their whole lives. So, like, thankful so to everybody. So what was the breaking point? What was the breaking um, point that actually so, had, middle had school. them decide to send you away? Middle school. Uh, uh-huh. The middle school that I went to um, had an optional third-year program, which is where you stay for an unaccredited year just to acquire more knowledge before going to high school. Um, so instead of going to high school at 14, you go at 15 or whatever. Um, right. And my parents, or my mom, uh, and my school decided that something needed to be done about my behavior in order for me to continue. Uh yeah. And so over the summer, I willingly agreed. So the, the option was given, uh, basically, you can go to wilderness, and then you can come back, and your life will be just as it is, or we can start figuring out what you're doing now. Um, gotcha. And I was like, well, you know, sign me up for wilderness. I want to stay with my friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's when I attended Skyline Journey. And it was, I think, like 50 days or so. Um, and keep in mind, I was like a 13-year-old kid being mixed with, 17, 16, like, that's where I learned about drugs. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> like, Wilderness sent me to, that's where I learned about drug use. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I significantly remember being in Wilderness and always being the kid asking, like, where are we going? You know, what time is it? What, what, what's going on? And always being told, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And right, you're here. you don't need, you don't need to know. You don't need to know. Like, and I'm like, well, how many miles are we hiking? Like, where, what, what's going on? And they're like, just, Either, you know, shut up. It's was not your peer, Was your peer run or, or was it like, make, was this, um, this I, facility mostly peer, like, peer to peer kind of stuff or was there more adult staff interaction? Um, so there's a lot of peer to peer. Um, I think I was in a, I was in a mixed sex group. So it was females and guys. Um, Oh, that's, and that's I, always a, that's always a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, right. I think maybe two or three staff, given uh, their staffing, you know, it seems I saw a lot of counselors come and go. Right. Quite a lot. Um, but I mean, so that program was, you know, very mellow. Um, I think it was probably like they had our food and our like water shipped to our campsites. Um, we got like was it mellow cobbler. because everyone was stoned? <laughs> no, there's actually there's kids like smoking banana peels and like weird stuff, oh, you know, no. like all sorts of weird stuff. And you know, I was like, oh no, you know, I think I was 13, being sent away for like being not motivated in school, you know, mixed with a bunch of yeah. like my parents sent me here because like they caught me doing heroin when I was 17. You know, it's like, right. oh, well, what's what's that? Right. Like you're cool. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and you're like, I was. I was I was making stupid jokes in class. That's why I got sent here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Um, wow. Okay. But I, I don't want to minimize how much of it, like a terror I was as a kid. I like me and my mom used sure. to fight all the time, dude. I think like I don't remember it getting ever particularly like violent, like fighting. Um, but my mom used to like you know hit me to try and discipline me as a child. Yeah. Uh, I used to spend weekends at my aunt's house just for like my mom to get away, like. 
I think I was a very challenging child for my mom to raise. So, like, I don't think that these decisions came lightly. Um, right. And, and, you know, and these and, were the options presented. Like, And these were the options that were presented. The, yeah. Right. Um, by, like, the people in the know. You know, she saw a couple of educational consultants in my area um, oh, who I think, unfortunately, famous educational back. consultants. Right. Yeah, you know, when they send 50 kids to the same wilderness program, you start, like, being, like, you know, how much are they paying you? Um, yeah, right. Okay. But anyways, so, so I so came back to that. Wilderness. Yeah, I got through that. I came back yeah. to school. Uh, I think I made it till like, uh, May, um, and our school took, like, a big, like, school trip to New York. Um, and I was, like, smoking weed at that point. You know, I found my friend's mm-hmm. older brother's stash. Like, uh, a bunch of my right. friends were very wealthy with parents who really didn't have time for them. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of partying in, you know, people's mansions while their parents are away, you know, and they get, like, the whole sure. wing of the house to themselves. Like, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, right. So, so anyways, it culminated going on a school trip. Uh, there, Some girls got pictures developed of them, like, snorting Ritalin or something when we were, like, I'm just 14, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, a bunch of us got in trouble. Um, I like came completely clean to my mom. Like me and my friends would smoke weed in our hotel room. Um, my friends would take an acid in New York and like wandered around. Um, and you know, my mom, this was like maybe Friday. We got back by Monday. The shit had hit the fan. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, my mom of course said, Oh, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll work this together, whatever. Yeah. Um, Thursday morning got woken up in the morning by two big guys and you know, oh, what's no. going on? What's going on? You yeah. know, like, oh, you're coming with us. Your mom signed over custody. Come with us. You know, my mom's crying. My dogs are barking. Like, the the worst yeah. scenario you could possibly imagine. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I got r- rushed off to second nature very, very quickly. Uh, and that was about 70 days. Um, mm-hmm. And what you just talked about earlier, the Lord of the Flies routine yeah. that many wilderness programs in full in, full in effect. Um, mm-hmm. All those kids are grumpy. They don't want to be there, and they're looking for somebody to poke. And if you're the weakest kid, you're going to get poked in whatever. Right. Well, they're also obligated to do that, too, to, to stay uh, on top on their that particular level. Right. Yeah. Because if they, if they don't, they could get knocked back down levels and then have to, you know, endure that same stuff all over again. So there is an incentive uh, to be brutal to the, the newer yeah. kids. And kids, yeah, know, like you know, it's, it's really important. It's really important to uh, point that out that that's how a lot of it, that stuff works. Is yeah, yeah. They're it's incentivized to treat the group therapy and yeah, right. all that fun stuff. Um, but so a lot of the kids didn't like me because I'd already been at Wilderness for 50 days. So like, Day one, I busted a bow drill fire. You know, kids have been there a month and still couldn't eat warm. Like, dude, I ate warm mm-hmm. every day. Um, I could hike. Like, it was just routine. Um, right. And I was, like, the little kid. Uh, and that, like, I don't know. I still remember, like, you know, having group therapy and, like, kids, like, almost beating me up on a daily basis at Wilderness. And, like, dude, it was awful for the first, like, 30, 40 days. And then eventually all those kids mm-hmm. left, and I was top dog. And the cycle right. repeated, you know. So was it therapeutic? 
Uh, so, I mean, I mean that's the idea, right? I mean, in a sense, to be that kind of some kind of I'm gonna, therapy. Or... I'm going to name this man because he will come up later in my story. Sure. Uh, sure. Then I believe that one of the head therapists of Duchesne, Utah at the time was a man by the name of Brad Reedy. I don't know if that's familiar. Okay. If the name is familiar with anybody I'll else. Him. I'll look him up. Because <laughs> we've done exposés on, on individual people. programs. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, the people that are connected between programs. Um, but he was a therapist. He'd come out once a week, um, every Wednesday. And then other than that, it was whatever Joe Schmoes they could convince to hike in the woods with a bunch of trouble teams for weeks at a time. Right. Um, weeks often at a time. College, often college kids with outdoor rec degrees seem to be a very common oh, yes. uh, thing, which is like crazy that parents are paying these organizations, you know, upwards of 30 grand a year to be taught by basically a bunch oh, of college dude, kids. Upwards. Upwards of a hundred grand a year. That's crazy. Um, come on. Yeah, please. there's a place in there's a place in uh, oh, what's it called? I, oh, the name escapes me at the moment. Uh, oh, Diamond Diamond Ranch Academy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're still and they're still in operation. Yeah, uh, I mean, their their tuition is a hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So these these places target vulnerable things. Out of pocket, no insurance. Insurance is covered crazy. for thirty days. Because they're not, they they're represented. They represent themselves as a school. Yeah. Um, but they, so they can't take insurance because you, you don't, you can't use insurance for school. Yeah. Um, but they also call themselves a drug treatment center, and they uh, they call themselves a, some like any number of things. Uh, but but what they really are is a is an accredited school that uses. Um, Online curriculum, yeah, worst thing. Uh, self self paced, you know, no real structure as far as schooling is concerned. The, the um, minimum requirement to have a degree to teach kids, basically. You can you can take you can take exams as as often as you want to Once. until you get an acceptable grade. So they can they can advertise that they have really high grade point average uh, from their students. It's uh, but yeah, hundred and thirty, hundred forty thousand dollars a year, depending on how you pay. It's amazing. Um, so this was back in two thousand fourteen or two thousand four, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. and I I know my mom paid you know at least thirty thirty grand for the first couple of days, and I think she paid out of pocket. Uh, right. So <laughs> um, but then at some point, you know, the the discussion I I always thought was that at some point after this, I'm going to return home or return somewhere of my choice. Uh, yeah. Which, uh, the last 10 days became very, very clear, uh, with a conversation saying you're going to the Monarch School in Heron, Montana. Um, okay. Wah, wah, Are they still wah. open? No, they were closed. Uh, they closed last September, um, and Patrick McKenna took the last deposits from all the parents about a week before he closed the school. He is currently being sued for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars by the collective oh, okay. parents of the monarch school. All right, I got got to look that up too now. So I, there's, yeah, there's always more research to be done if, if it's the yeah, because yeah. So, um, okay, so, monarch. so Patrick, now you're off Patrick, the monarch. Anyways, yeah. So brisked away to here in Montana. My mom actually came and brought me um, and dropped me off, much to her chagrin. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, immediately met by the most PC students you could possibly imagine with their, you know, 
pants up to their belly button and their shirts tucked in and their hair cut military style. The welcoming um, committee. The welcoming <laughs> committee. Um, I'm, yeah, I don't want to name students because I, I don't want to. I think That's that their cool. anonymity yeah. is very, very important in this. Um, if anybody, they, can, they can speak on. They can speak. Uh, Independently, if they choose to, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, yep. so anyways, was assigned a big brother, brought to a dorm, taught the ropes, and I'm just like in my head, like, what the is going on? Uh-huh. You know, what is right. this place? Like, holy shit! But keep in mind, I've been brainwashed by wilderness for the last 70 days, so it's not completely out of the normal. Um, yeah. But I was, you know, assigned to a peer group uh, with. I think my peer group started with 16 people. We graduated with like 10 or nine or something. We lost half of us on the way through. Um, my peer group leader was a man by the name of Steve Rookie, who I believe is rather uh-huh. infamous in the CDU and RMU community, or okay. not RMU, the Rocky Mountain Academy, which is a place I believe in California somewhere, uh, which was shut down. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, Monarch is a interesting place. I think uh, a lot of the other similar rules that I've heard mentioned in some of the other interviews, uh, you know, control of music, um, control of outside communication, uh, you know, kind of peer to peer run with the, the right. students who had been there for a while being the brainwashed leaders of the accountability squad. Right. Um, and. I guess I'll just go through kind of like a daily routine at Monarch. I don't really. Sure. There's a couple of pivotal moments that happened during my stay, but for most of it, it was just bland monotony trying not to get railed in group therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, so like daily basis, uh, you work three times a day or three times a week or maybe just two times a week, and then you have class three times a week. Um, but the education is around farm, garden, forestry, like vocational work, culinary, um, and that was a big emphasis on the school. And then, as you mentioned, the kind of at-your-own-pace education. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough that there was teachers, actually, um, and I did have classes. But compared to what I grew up with and what I was used to, it was like, you know, kindergarten. Um, right. And... A lot, of, yeah. a lot of worksheets and stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, a lot of worksheets. Um, I, I did have a couple of really cool teachers. Um, I had a really awesome history teacher. Matt, if you're out there, you're a good dude. Um, yeah, so there was, like, good staff, um, but there was a lot of really craziness. Um, and I think you we've talked about, or you've talked about on your show, uh, the aspects of group therapy, um, or as a commonly known in the – some other terms, rap attack, session, attack therapy, attack therapy. Um, basically where a grown-ass man is yelling at you as loud as he can about why your dad left you, you know, just like crazy shit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this leads me, I'm going to pause for a second, this leads me to the yeah. idea that comes up often. Um, now, because I've, I've spoken to other people about, you know, the good staff, and it, it what troubles me is that, is that these these good, well-meaning people choose to remain in in these institutions um, to you know even though they know kind of what else goes on there it's like yeah. they're I don't know if they're trying to be a, like a buffer against I mean against so some of the abuses that go on 
um, a lot of there's the a lot staff, of, there's a lot of debate there's a lot of debate about whether those so-called good people should even stay there um so i don't really say it as like good people um i just yeah i think a lot of them were like younger barely college graduates who were just like thankful to have a job somewhere um sure and a lot sure. of those staff didn't make it longer than eight months. You know, like they kind of quickly realize what it is. Um, right. I think that's they, a, almost their obligation to leave. Like, yeah, from, I mean, that's my own, own opinion. But when it's you know when you when you find yourself working in an environment that that you find is uh, is you know not beneficial in so many ways to the people that you're taking care of, I think it's the right move to leave. If you stay, you become. If you stay, you kind of become complicit in the activities that go on around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're complicit just by like observation and the fact that you don't raise out. But again, like, so a lot of the stuff, like, there was no. I was fortunate enough that like my place wasn't very physically abusive. Uh, sure. Like there was no, to my knowledge, uh, like I didn't get physically abused by anybody. Um, and I, to my knowledge, I don't know of anybody else who did or who spoke about it. But like I, again, right. I, I can't be accountable for the others. Um, well, you can only speak for your from your own experience, sure. But there was a lot of like I think you've covered the subject of smushing, um, and like oh, kind yeah. of very indirect sexuality between staff right. and young adolescents, uh, mm-hmm. which you know for a long time I thought was normal. And like I love people and I love touching. But like right. some of those boundaries that were crossed were like I, now I like think about them uncomfortably. The the the, uh, the standard for uh, for therapists or or people who have other people under their care is that if you're even thinking too much about uh, the, a client, then you're probably already like beginning to cross boundaries. Like, yeah, exactly. If, if you if you want if you start thinking of them as is your own personal like um, as you know you you as their personal caretaker or above the others or, or you decide that they're your favorite like already before you even make any like overt actions you're already starting to cross those lines and it's it's unfortunately it's um it's not uncommon but good therapists and good caretakers and good teachers can recognize this stuff before it, it gets physical, um, but you know it happens, and it's uh, and it shouldn't, but it does. Yeah, I, I again, I, I just when I think about now, like how I would interact with children of that age, like I wouldn't do some of the things that some of those staff members did. Like that's all I'm saying. Right. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, like, dude, I, uh, yeah, little kids, man. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, so like, I'm a fairly intelligent individual. I managed to stay out of trouble for 99% of my time there, and I was kind of always a blip under the radar. Um, uh-huh. Until the fateful day of this December, and of all of the shameful things in my life that had happened, probably the thing that I still hold to the most shame happened at the Monarch School. Um. And, yeah, so kind of another part of these schools is the, like, how, sexualizing women with, like, denying sexuality, I guess. Um, and what I mean by right, that right. is... It has, the, 
It has an opposite effect, sure. That there, there's women there that you're in constant contact with, um, that they're always telling you, like, no relationships, no, you know, affection. If you're going to show affection, you do it in group. And, like, it never goes well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was this little yeah, re- kid. Repression, repression doesn't work. It, it's very, doesn't very work. repressed. You know, I was 15. Um, mm-hmm. And I happened to be working at the farm and garden area of my program. Um, and I, as a 15-year-old, uh, I fingered a horse when I was 15 at the Monarch School. Um, and it was maybe, like, five minutes or so, and I was like, dude, this is fucking weird, and I, like, walked away. Um, but in an accountability, like, session, I, like, told my peer group leader that I did this, you know, and that this occurred, and, like, shit hit the fucking fan. Uh, you, you, wait, you, you did something with a female student? No, no, I, I, I sexually molested a horse when I was 15 year old. Oh, shit. Like, I, oh, wow. Like, I, I was in a farm and garden area, and I saw a horse, and I happened to, like, see her vagina, and I was like, oh, uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, for a very regrettable five to ten minutes of my life, I played with a horse vagina when I was 15 at the Monarch School. <laughs> okay. And, like, dude, fuck. Uh, so. And, uh, yeah. Funny and now. So, yeah, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny looking back at it now. Cause it's, I, but in my mind, like, so, you know, my mom found out. The school found out. I was put on right. a huge program. I literally sat in these rap sessions with all the females that were in the equestrian like program, just screaming at me that I was a fucking monster for three months until like you yeah. know somebody did something else and what I did kind of got forgotten and we kind of moved on. So um, how long did it take for you to realize that that wasn't true? That you're you're certainly not a, a monster for messing around with a horse like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it must have taken a while. For you to come, Honestly, come to church with. I, so, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Sure. All right. Um, yeah. So, like, in my mind, like, I think now, like, how in my mind, or, like, how did my mom, like, legitimize these events that happened at this school? You know, like, I went mm-hmm. there for, like, mild drug use and, like, through right. the school, you know, like, rather disturbing things I did. You know, like, dude, I yeah. still, like, um, yeah, crazy. But anyways... Yeah, so I, I was on this program. I was on bands from, like, the whole school. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where, like, you're around everybody, but you're not allowed to talk to them. So um, you were basically, like, shunned, right? Shunned. Very, very weird. Um, and I'm still, to this day, like, very, very good at ignoring people and pretending that people don't exist. And I think it's because of uh-huh. the um, this time in my life. Uh, so, yeah, it sucks. Um, and then about a year into me being at Meyer School, uh, this girl who I'm probably still in love with became a new student, uh-huh. and we, like, yeah. I, I fell in love with this girl. Yeah, I was 16. This girl was the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Uh, we, like, kept it very, like, reasonable. Um, and yeah. then in a group session, you know, I expressed attraction to her, uh, and no. she, like, didn't respond well, um, and we were put on bands. Uh, so I spent about nine months existing at the school with this girl who, like, I still have weird dreams about every once in a while. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a trained medical professional, but I, I don't think that's normal. And I think that it's led to some complications and further relationships. Sure. 
Um, but yeah, for the last like six months of me being at the Monarch School, I just like kept my head down and I was pretty much on bands from everybody because I was just like, what the, f this is, so I was so depressed. Like I was never that adult student that was like accountable and every, you know, like I just, I was always like, dude, this is fucked. Um, now you would think that, you would think that in a, in a so-called therapeutic boarding school that, that they would be equipped to handle weird occurrences. Yeah. Uh, uh, hormonal kids, you know, all that stuff, like to some degree of uh, uh, aptitude, like they would be good at it, like they would be able to handle weird weird stuff and, and understand that well, Maybe okay, if, you're, if you're troubled going in and and you're, you're exhibiting troubled behavior while you're there, they should have tools that can address that, but so like put, being being put on bands and, and shunning pretty much kids uh, in that environment is like doubly harmful. And so that that you know? therapist from Second Nature actually came and visited like uh, the Monarch School just at some point just to kind of like see what was going on, and I had mm -hmm. a conversation with him about it. Um, and the head of yeah. the school was near me. And after yeah. after that conversation, he's like, "Hey, don't tell anybody else about this." And I was like, "Huh?" Right, because it's bad press. Very bad press. Um, yeah, because I think that Brad might have said something to him. I have no idea. But yeah, I was basically just said, "Like, don't talk about it." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what these people expect when they repress, repress adolescent and young teenage sexuality. I don't know what they expect. I yeah I. I I saw countless people get kicked out of school for whatever, you know, like running mm -hmm. off in the woods with their partner of choice. And, yeah, and, you know, I was so afraid of disappointing my parents and, you know, like getting into a worse spot. You know, there's always kind of this loom over your head. Like if you don't make it here, there's somewhere worse, you know. Right. Exactly. Um, huh. But I'm, so, I managed to make it. Sorry. So, well, at a certain point, at a certain point, you know, you got through or this program, or did yeah. you graduate or did you leave I, or what happened? I graduated from the Monarch School. I just, I, at some point I just decided, you know, do what they go through the steps they're doing and, you know, pretend to cry with all the rest of the kids and the, the weird insights and prosthetes or whatever you want to label them as, um, which are crazy. Uh, and yeah, I I made it out. Um, I've always kind of been the person that like I like to finish things. I guess I don't know. Mm -hmm. just, um, yeah. But so no, I made it out. Um, and I found a school uh, that would accept me in New Hampshire. Um, and I finished out a pretty normal high school experience. Barely graduated. Uh, there was a man that pretty much taught me the entire class of physics in a month. Uh, um, so I made it home from high school, uh, kind of finally free. Um, I mm -hmm. got a job. I was making my own money, had a car, uh, kind of for the first time in my life free. Um, right. And me and my friends, so you, think you know, that you, you think that you succeeded because of that experience or in spite of it? Like, Oh, just you know wait, I mean? there's more. There's more. There's, oh, there's more. more. Okay. Gotcha. There's more. Right, well, let's continue. Okay. Uh, so I, I was like smoking weed all summer with my friends. Uh, me and my mother's relationship has continued to get strained. You know, I had to make it to like August to make it to college. Um, right. At some point in late August, 
I decided to ingest like a good bit of mushrooms. Um, okay. You know, I was experimenting with my friends. Uh, I took like an eighth of mushrooms. Uh, nothing happened, so I took another eighth of mushrooms. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a shit ton. Uh, and I blacked out at around seven o'clock. Um, I woke up at two thirty in the morning, strapped down to a hospital bed. Um, apparently, oh, wow. what had happened? Uh, I freaked out at my friends and like made them take me home. I made mm-hmm. it into my room uh, where my mom heard me being like erratic. Uh, she came upstairs, you know, saw me all mushroomed out. Like, you can tell when somebody's high yeah. on mushrooms, their pupils get all crazy. Right. And of course, my mom being my mom called the cops because she thought I was overdosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, cops came. So you technically, I guess you were overdosing. Uh, yeah, definitely overdosing. The technical term. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I guess I was, I graduated high school at about 190 pounds. I'd been playing varsity lacrosse almost, you know, all spring. So I guess the cops came and I like. You know, mushroom strength out on six cops and like got oh, no. a big verbal or like physical altercation with a bunch of cops. I uh, was calling so me. It. No, I don't remember. I mean, I have like bits uh, and pieces, like yeah, yeah, uh, sure. shocking little bits. Um, right. But I ended up uh, breaking somebody's legs in the altercation pretty severely. Oh, yeah, very severely. Um, and as wow. a result, I was sentenced to 62 years in jail. Oh my God! Yeah, um, wow. uh, yeah, really, really crazy. Um, the court system, you know, just kind of decided that they had to make an example out of me. Uh, and so, like, I immediately I went to this place called Karen, uh, which is in like Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Um, and this is a uh-huh. place that I, is a twelve-step program staffed by licensed and trained medical professionals, and I can't speak highly enough of Karen. Um, if anybody okay. has a loved one that they wish to see treatment, I vouch heavily for Karen. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely treated everybody with the, the utmost respect. Um, but so I did, like, in an effort to not go to jail, <laughs> I went to the yeah. rehab center, and then I went to a halfway house while I awaited my fate for about a year. Um, but I actually got sentenced to three to five years in jail um, as a result mm-hmm. of all of this. Um, of which I spent 18 months in a state corrections facility mm-hmm. as a 20 to 21 year old adult. Oh. Um, and for me personally, that was all I needed. <laughs> um, right. He, you know, uh, I, I had a, a cellmate for a little bit. He was 60 something years old and he had been in and out of jail for maybe his whole life, uh, doing, mm-hmm probation violations and you know for right. whatever little thing and i was like dude i'm not spending my life like that <laughs> i will never be you know this 60 year old guy who's missed his family because he gets <laughs> violated for probation every two years um so i did a a pretty mundane jail sentence jailed like big summer camp interesting the contrast the contrast between jail oh, so much mess so much mellower than right? Monarch. Like, yes. well, people, so much. Have people have misconceptions about incarceration. I used to um, work as a vocational counselor in, in prison, uh, state prison, federal prison. I go in and, and talk to people who uh, had like six months or less to go in their sentence or on good behavior, 
and I go in and talk to him about what he wanted to do when they got out. And I learned a lot from that experience about what really doesn't happen in jail. Yeah. Did, so, I mean, so like the it, whole it must like, have been really an interesting contrast between where you came from and, and that place. Um, not that you would prefer jail, but I mean, sure I was a much I more would mellow prefer jail to the monarch school. I would, right. I would 100% take jail over the monarch school. In Isn't that amazing? Um, the fact that you just get left alone, and for me, like I got to make right. choices on my own. Like I got to make decisions yes. through my own process. Um, was very important for me. Um, so anybody right, out as there, an adult with your as an adult with your rights, a lot of your rights stripped, you still had more like sovereignty right. than you did as a kid with uh, essentially all of your rights as a as a young person attacked. That's crazy. Um, the fact you know, like I could, I so I worked in the kitchen for a really long time because I wanted to get good food. Um, and the fact mm-hmm. that at any moment I could just say, you know, I'm not waking up for work, and that would be it. I'd be rushed to another block, and I wouldn't have to work. Like, it was my choice to do everything I did. Um, but, no, I mean, like, and I met some good guys that definitely helped look after me as a little kid. Um, there's definitely mm-hmm. some tricks tricks to the jail. Um, yeah. Ain't, yeah. Don't Don't accept kindness from strangers, period. Sure. Don't do it. Right. Just don't do it. Um, but anyway, so I got out, um, I had a parole officer, um, and my parole officer's advice was, he said, the guys I see who try to make it big when they get out, fail, be mellow, Mm -hmm. find a girl, go to school, don't do shit for the next three years of your life. And that's exactly what I did. (laughs) I found a, a beautiful girl, uh, went to school for automotive engineering or no, not automotive engineering for auto tech. Sorry. Not as cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really yeah. like how cars work. Um, this whole time I've been working construction, uh, like my whole life. Uh, so I was working a full-time construction job and yeah, uh, eventually I made enough money working construction where I bought a couple houses in downtown Philly. Um, and Sweet. I put those houses for some money, um, uh, and repeat, rinse and repeat that a couple times. Um, right. in 2014, I moved out to Denver, Denver. Um, I live downtown Denver these days, and since then, I have literally not been in trouble with anything. <laughs> um, right. At some point during that time, I uh, I ceased communication with my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I, at this point, don't really have a functioning relationship with either of my parents. Um, they're just both very set in their ways and what they do, and I definitely don't prescribed by a lot of common social norms, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Uh, so I guess being... back to that back to that original question. Uh did you did you succeed because of that of your experiences uh in in these wilderness camps and boarding schools or in, in spite of them? You know I, it's uh, it's one of those like chicken or the egg questions, really. Like, did would you have achieved, you know, a, a stable, happy life without that stuff? And I mean, my guess is my guess is yes. I, I think un- that- I think unfortunately that jail was in my future, kind of no matter what. Um, 
And I, so my message to any parent listening to this is that if your kid is doing whatever, there are already state programs in existence that are far more effective than any sort of therapeutic bullshit ever will be. Like, if right. your kid's in trouble, yeah. go to fucking juvie for a couple of days and they'll figure this shit out. Or they don't. And that's yeah. their choice. Well, that's their choice. <laughs> right. You're an adult. That and is you're... the avenue, right? Yeah. That is the avenue for misbehavior. It's, 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 go to uh, juvie. Law enforcement and contact and the criminal justice system and perhaps going to, going to jail or prison. Like, uh, the, the acting up class clown smart kid who, whose parents just don't have time for it. That's an, it's like these these schools aren't a legitimate avenue to success. But, um, yeah, I and this is I what I'm hearing over and over and over again is that the achieve, achievements that people have have made in their lives literally have nothing to do with these early experiences in, in these schools and facilities. And in fact, from my own personal experience. And, and the testimony of other people, I found that that they're so isolating from the quote-unquote real world that when kids finally do get out and leave these places, they absolutely have no clue what to do next. Like, they don't know how to relate to people in the right way. Oh, yeah, for sure. They I don't know. Strange little kids. They don't know how to operate in the world in a, in a way that everyone else does so that, so that they stay outside of that norm. You know, for maybe for maybe the rest of their lives for a long time because you can't just order people around in the real world. Like you know, people won't listen to you and they won't they won't comply. You know. So. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I think that I think that's important to to note. So uh, I'll say for me, you know, like life's a journey. You know, like it, it's fun, um, but it's not always pleasurable. Um, sure. Um, and for me, I found like a, a a lot of really good outlets for a lot of my what I what I now consider anxiety, um, it's just mm-hmm. like I I like I'm a pacer by nature, um, and believe it or not, uh, techno music has been like my yeah. saving grace. <laughs> yeah. uh, very quick, very repetitive, and it it tires me out. Um, and the culture and community is a wonderfully vibrant, interesting place. Um, and I think that my my mom was just very very resistant to earth. Not even resistance. She just had this an idea in her head of what I should be, what I could be, and what she like wanted me to be. Um, and she was willing to make sacrifices uh, to achieve that. Um, and right. there's people that were, you know, accredited and licensed, and they were very much so pushing in her ear. And my mom was, you know, grasping for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that's just the route that I took and yeah. that she took or that she took for me, I should say. Right. Um, but no, I, I think like every kid experiments with drugs. Like there's a startling statistic of like, you know, like most people, their first time with drug use is in their adolescence. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I started at 11 personally. Yeah. And, and I think like as if you're in the 12 step program, um, I think the 12 step program is like a great, first step for parents, like just take your kid to an AA meeting. Um, having stories, uh, for me, was like the big, like, oh, shit, this shit can, like, ruin your life, you know? Like, you have to be very, very respectful of a lot of these substances. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, not only not only am I uh, uh, part of uh, AAA, I manage the Silver Living uh, House. So I, I live with uh, twelve other dudes and uh, <laughs> trying to trying to you know do things differently and better. And uh, it's uh, I didn't know I was going. This was going to be my my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, but but I made a I made a profession out of um, helping people and. and uh, it's the only way that I could really figure out how to overcome my own my own trauma was to was to give yeah. back, you know. And, yeah, uh, for sure. So, so yeah, I, I can totally relate, and um, I think uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't gonna, know how long we've been talking. I want to give a, a okay, plug to uh, yeah. I want to give a, a shout out to a, a guy who did it differently. He was a troubled parent with a troubled teen. His name is. Uh, Dr. Kevin Fall, and I did an interview with him. He wrote a book uh, called Seven Ways to Save Your Son. I think it's called Seven Steps to Save Your Son in Seven Ways. And he chose a different path. And what that path was, he he figured out that he was, in fact, a troubled parent. Yeah. And, and started on that basis. And then actually ended up writing this book with his son. Um, it's pretty amazing. So. I, I like to refer back to that that guy um, a lot because there are different avenues for people to recover their kids if they see yeah. them going down the wrong path I, that don't I involve think, shipping your kids off to some crazy shit. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I think that, like, the first step, you know, like, you asked earlier if I was a troubled kid. Um and right. I, I don't I don't have kids. I have dogs, and I think if my dogs were acting <laughs> out, misbehaving, that would reflect on me as the the owner uh, sure. more so than it reflects on the dog. Uh, so I, I think for every troubled teenager is a troubled parent, and I think that's like of the course. first step uh, for any sort of healthy relationship is to acknowledge maybe misdeeds from both ends and to work together uh, to accomplish you know like a common goal. Um, yeah, absolutely. If I'm if I'm ever out in in Denver, I'll uh, I'll say hello. <laughs> That'd be good. I'd love to see you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. All right well, thank you so much for coming on and talking. I think this was uh, really interesting. I think, uh, you know, beneficial to, again, to both uh, fellow survivors and parents who are thinking about staying in their kids in these places and for parents who have to, you know, give a, another, like, comprehensive picture of what, what this stuff is all about. So I, I really appreciate it, and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. I'm glad we can make this work today. All right, take care. Yeah, bye.